We all believe we've run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Nuclear holocaust? No. Something worse. All I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Start looking at the world in a new way. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. Tonight, we're reviewing director Christopher Nolan's latest time-twisting epic, Tenet. Quite a long, winding road to release, and the movies caused quite a bit of conversation. So, let's get right into it. Tonight, I'm joined by Amir Tuvek. And Derek Wong. This is Christopher Nolan's latest film. It spent much of the year not being able to be seen by anyone. Uh, <laughs> everyone was waiting for it. I think it was one of the most anticipated movies of the year. And it kind of just fizzled out when it was released. And uh, kind of in part due to Christopher Nolan's inability to not let it play in theaters, right? He stuck to his guns. He wanted the movie to be played in theaters. And as a result, not a lot of people got to see it. Didn't get to see it when it came out, right? Quote, unquote, came out in September, right? Right. But we're we're talking about it now because it's now officially come out on VOD. And there are a lot more outlets for you to be able to watch this movie now, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people who wanted to see it have now seen it. Yes. It being December 20th. Or the week of December 20th, so. As much as Nolan wants to say that the release was in September in theaters, like, I've really count the release of this movie, like, now. Yeah. Like you said, it came and went with the whimper because no one was able to see it, right? The only way I could have saw it back then was at a drive-in, if I really wanted to. And I was like, you know what? I'll just wait. When it comes out on like DVD or Blu-ray, you know, I can I can watch it on my TV with my nice system and everything. I'll just wait, right? Because no one's going to be having a conversation about it anyway. There's no FOMO here. I'm not missing out on anything because I don't know anyone else has watched it. Right. So I, I just I went ahead and waited, and I think it was the smart choice. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's definitely the smart choice. I mean, I'm sure had you seen it in theaters, the movie definitely would have benefited. I think. But I'm not sure it would have changed my overall opinion. I, I think that Waiting was probably the right move given the, you know, the pandemic going on. I think the only way I would go back and see this in theaters is if I went back inverted. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do our best to try to maybe give our like most non-spoilery 
impressions in the movies and then we'll dive into spoilers and all that kind of stuff. Um, Amir, so you've kind of already alluded. So what did you think of the movie? Didn't like it that much. I was disappointed. It felt... It just wasn't that cool. Nolan's, like, movies usually have, like, a cool central device or something like that. And the, the central device here just didn't hit. And I think as a consequence, all his flaws as a filmmaker started coming out. Like, you, like it's colder and more distant than his other movies. And the audio mixing, all the things that people, like, bag on Nolan for that don't normally bug me, bug me here because the central device just didn't really work. Okay. What about you, Jeff? I completely agree with Amir. I mean, here's the big problem. Like Amir said, a lot of people have complaints about Nolan they, that he's cold, he's distant, his movies are very sterile, the sound mixing is bad, and like he doesn't know how to write women. A lot of these issues, I feel like, are overblown, and I don't think a lot of them have that much merit to them. I mean, there's some merit to them, but I think people just want to find things to complain about with Christopher Nolan just because he's such a revered filmmaker. But that being said, this movie, when I saw it, like, I felt like this movie gave all those criticisms credence. Mm -hmm. I feel like it gave a voice to all of his most vocal critics because this movie is not good. I did not like this movie. It was confusing when it didn't have to be. And all right. My thing is, there isn't a single character in this movie. I didn't feel like any of these people were like fully fleshed out characters. And I thought, like, a lot of the flaws of him as a director came out in this movie, just like Amir. So, also, I want to say that my opinion of Christopher Nolan has soured a little bit this year in particular, just because of the way he treated the movie's theatrical release and, like, his disregard for public safety. But that being said, I'm going to try and divorce those feelings from the actual review of the movie, because it has nothing to do with what the movie is like. Mm -hmm. But... I do have issues of how he handled the release of this movie. But that being said, this movie is not that good. So I don't know. Jump in just a real quick, Derek. Just because what you're saying, Jeff, about Nolan losing you a little bit this year, he started winning me back a little bit with his, with his like anti HBO thing. I know like some of it is his own weird, uh, quixotic like quest or whatever, but I think he makes legitimate points about them rushing into these sorts of streaming deals without thinking about how it affects, like, all the people who work on movies, not just, like, the big stars and these big stars. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, I think he makes some really great points. All right, so to give a little background, like, we, we talked about HBO Max releasing all of the Warner Brothers 2021 slate mm -hmm. uh, all on their platform, right? And if you guys don't know, Christopher Nolan came out and he came out in defense of the artists and the, the actors and things like that, saying that and the there's no – Yeah, and the directors. There's, there's no back and forth or negotiation. Warner Brothers just kind of blindsided everyone with this new insane drop of all their movies on the, on the streaming service without any consultation or any kind of negotiation. And I do agree that he makes good points. He says that it's it's not good for the art form, and this was just kind of a bombshell that was dropped on everyone. And I, and I do agree with him. I do think that he makes some great points. But if he didn't botch his theatrical release earlier in the year, I feel like I would give him more points. Because I kind of feel like this whole thing is just a, a smokescreen for, for him defending the theatrical 
release, right? Right, yeah. And so, like, I don't know how you separate them. Can you have one let the out the other? Or is it all part of a coherent worldview that he has, which led him to fuck up with the theatrical release of Tenet, but then is also leading him to make the right call now? Like, I don't know if you can exactly. have I think there's one a... without the other. I don't know, it's hard. Yeah, I think they're part of the, the same thing. I mean, yeah, you, you win some, you lose some. So, like, I, I, I still respect him as a filmmaker. I think he's one of the the most talented filmmakers alive right now. And, and I think a lot of people just looking at the, how devoted the fan base is, they, they would agree. Right. I get a feeling that our consensus on this movie is not very favorable. (laughs) So I probably should, before we get into like details and everything, probably should just give my impressions. I agree with you guys. I agree with you guys that I think that, you know, some of his flaws that we've seen in all of his movies, right. It's, and I agree with you, Jeff, that it's unfair to kind of pigeonhole them a little bit onto this movie because he has always kind of had issues with writing women, right? Or he's not always the best in transplanting um, emotional stakes, I feel like, at times uh, into mm-hmm. his movies. Uh, I think, you know, Nolan is a very visionary director in the sense of just like visuals, right? Like, I think, you know, I think of movies like, you know, Inception, um, where... In, you know that movie is is great because on a script level it's it's great, but also like visually it's just like you know we still talk about it, right? Well, the idea itself, the central concept, is so cool that it's become yeah. a word in English. Like you could say to yeah. incept someone, people know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, I do agree that when it comes to characters in this movie, like you know the protagonist is never given a name, right? He's just called, you know, he's just kind of classified as the protagonist, right? Um, there's no backstory to him, but then even Nolan has admitted that he, you know, he doesn't, he he never meant to give him a backstory, right? You're not supposed to feel. I hate that so much. <laughs> it's more than bad. It's more than stupid. It's it's really kind of cringe, actually. I'm I really mm-hmm. cringe that he called this character the protagonist. It's like a storytelling term, uh, like you learn in sixth yeah. grade English, and he like. Puts it in this movie, he's like, oh, the protagonist. I really hated it, and it was really cringe. Every time he mentioned that, it was like, oh, I'm the protagonist. I really just, like, just quivered in my seat. It's really, it really bothered me. I did not like that at all. But, yeah, say, as you're, go, go ahead, as you were saying. And then, say, same for Neil, right? Neil doesn't really have a backstory that you don't really get to know too much about Neil. Like, the only character that might have some kind of emotional stake is the Elizabeth Debicki character. But even she, you know, the way she's written is a little problematic. But I will actually have to disagree with Amir and the central kind of mechanic of this movie. I totally dug and I really, really liked. And overall, I've seen this movie now three times. (laughs) Oh, Three wow. times, wow! Yes, okay. and I actually like this movie. <laughs> All right, okay. like totally different than you guys. Like, this is I've why taken, we do a podcast. Like, I fucking love it, dude. Nice. I I was the same boat as you guys. I was. I think after the first watch, I was a little confused. Like, I understood the main, you know, story mechanics. Like, I understood where the characters were at the end, and then I understood like, oh, they are just trying to stop the bad guy from killing the world, and then they use time mechanics to do that. And, but at the end, I was a little confused by what happens here and there. But then, you know, a second rewatch, like, you learn more and you understand more. And things start to click for me really well. To the point where this movie no longer is confusing. And I think 
Mm. I don't know about you guys, but like that's how Nolan movies are to me in general. Not not all Nolan movies, but like I think about Inception, I think about The Prestige. Like those movies Memento. I feel yeah, Memento. All the all the story beats click and all the character beats click much better on a second viewing. I guess I, I'm not the consensus here, right? Like I'm not with the consensus of you two. I actually quite enjoyed this movie. I I love that you love that because that means we can have a good discussion about it. Yeah, I know. I think it's his. I think it's his worst movie. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch any of his other movies besides this. But I guess my tongue in cheek defense of this is these characters don't need backstory. They've got front story. No, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, at this point, I think it's it's safe to say that you know we've kind of given our impressions. Let's let's get into spoilers. Let's get into details, right? Like, so I'm curious, Amir, what didn't you like about the mechanic of the inversion? So I think it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever adds up to anything that looks super cool on screen. Really? Yeah, I just wasn't that blown away by what they did with it. Like the idea of inverting time sounds super cool, but it's just like mostly confined to like bullets, a couple explosions, and like some weird like fight in like an empty city. Like, it's just, it's very, I don't know, none of it really hits for me. Like, backwards bullets aren't that much scarier than forward bullets. Like, I know they are in the... No, yeah, I totally agree. It's like, whoa, you don't want to get hit by one of those. But it's just a fucking bullet. And it doesn't look that much cooler than a bullet going the other way once you've seen it once or twice, right? And, like, the inverted explosions are just, like, I don't know, it's just something getting sucked. They just don't use it to that good effect. There's, like, not enough imagination. I see. The The effect of uh, inversion isn't very cool. And I totally agree with that. Like, now that you point it out, like, I understand, like, a bullet going backwards is just a bullet going backwards. Like, I can imagine that in my head. But what I really liked about the inversion mechanic was the set pieces that he created. Like, I like the hallway fight. Knowing then that, like, you know, I figured out pretty quickly, okay, this guy's moving in reverse, right? But then to then revisit that later to know that that was you know john david washington's character coming back to that moment and like he's doing that fight in reverse now like we get to see the other perspective of the fight and then even like the car chase like i thought that was really cool that like another car is chasing another car backwards right like it's those are both clever and 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 those did work for me but just like the central mechanic just uh, yeah i guess the effect from from a visual perspective just wasn't that stunning like at least inception had like inception you can bag on for not being super imaginative either like it's dream world and it's just like folding architecture like get the fuck out of here but at least it was cool like the inception stuff was cool yeah visually this this stuff this stuff visually i just it just didn't it didn't sell me yeah and and in addition to the visuals my problem is that for the amount of exposition that was in this movie, like every single character is just spouting exposition they all are. the time, uh, like explaining what what's going on and like how things are working. And for the amount of exposition that's in this, it's not very well explained. Yeah, it's still not clear. For the amount of that these people are talking about, like how this inversion stuff works and like how temporal pincer movements and stuff work, like. I should have a very clear understanding of what's going on and, like, the complete mechanics of, like, the framework, right? But you really Mm -hmm. don't. And I think a lot of the visuals are very confused. And I think the climax of the movie is a complete dud. I'm, I'm sorry. I think, I think the whole, the whole big temporal pincer movement attack at the end at, uh, at, uh, Stalsk 12 or whatever, it's, it's really bad, I think. Oh, man. 
if you compare this with like any other Nolan movie, like that climax is just so wet noodle compared to anything else. Like Inception, you have everyone riding up the kicks at the same time, you know, and that's super cool. Like the prestige of like the the reveal of David Bowie as as Nikola Tesla with the cloning machine, the Dark Knight, you have like Joker's escape. First of all, like, the whole thing about Tenet is, like, this is supposed to be, like, a clandestine, like, operation between, like, two rival factions Mm -hmm. about, like, time travel. It's supposed to be, like, very, very hush-hush. But now in this fucking climax, it's this big, huge battle, and it looks like there's 300 people on each side. Yeah. Half of them going forwards and backwards. Like, this is supposed to be, like, a kept secret. How are there so many people who are, like, involved in this shit? It's insane. Yeah, I, I do question that, right? Like, how do you get, like, hundreds of people to be like, yeah, let's end the world? Like, you know what I mean? Like, on Sator's side? Yeah, and that's, like, his whole thing, right? His, like, how yeah, how do you get so many people to be on board with just his little death wish of, like, yeah. ending the world? Just because his wife doesn't love him or something. I think in the movie, there's like they supposedly have found a way for it not to end the world, right? Like the idea is that they're going to destroy our time and it's going to like reset their time or some shit like that. But like they think they found a way. Yeah, they they believe that they can destroy our timeline without destroying theirs, basically. Mm-hmm. So that that's what that algorithm is, right? Like it's a machine that can reset the entropy of the past. And then, it, and they believe that it won't fuck up their future. But I mean, the whole thing is just a MacGuffin, right? Yes, it's a MacGuffin. It's this algorithm that this physicist came up with, and like she split it into nine pieces, and then like she hid away the all the pieces, and then she killed herself, and she inverted all the pieces in like highly radioactive places where nobody could find them. But then like Sator, played by Kenneth Branagh, he's like trying to collect the, that last piece because he. At the beginning of the movie, he already has, like, eight pieces, right? He's, like, looking yep. for the last one. So, like, this whole thing is about him trying to... Like, John David Washington's the protagonist. Ugh, I don't even like saying that. It's so stupid. But <laughs> him, and, him and Neil working together to, like, get to that last piece before he does and, and stop him from imploding the world, right? Inverting all the entropy in, in the entire universe. It's so, like... Macro it's level. Yeah, it's really, yeah, you're not supposed to really understand it, but at the same time, like, yeah, I understand how people have issues. Like, if you don't understand it, then, like, how does it really work? Well, I don't even care about the mechanics of it. It's just, like, the villain has to have, like, an understandable motivation so that you can, like, I don't know, kind of be against them. Or not, maybe not. Maybe they don't have to have an understandable, but I don't, I don't know. It would be nice if there was an understandable motivation there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just, like, I don't know, they're like a crazy serial killer or whatever, like whatever. There's got to be something underneath it that I can understand. And like here, that just didn't really seem to be there. No, I do agree. Like, I think the motivation from the villain is pretty weak. You know, it's just a guy who wants to destroy the world. He can't do anything about his own life, right? His life is going to end because of this cancer. So he just feels like he wants to take out the world too. It's weak. I will admit it's, it's very weak. But I actually did really enjoy Kenneth Branagh in this movie. I don't know about you guys. Like, I love the way he like chewed the scenery in this. Like, I I thought he was Did like he going chew the hand. scenery. Dude, I think he was in this. Like, in the same way, like you said, like a couple weeks ago, like you in some way kind of admire what Eddie Redmayne's performance in like what is that movie called? I don't think this is quite on that level. I'm sorry, but I think Kenneth Branagh's in his 
He's in his flop era here. I don't think. No, he's... dude, I actually really enjoyed Kevin Brown in this. But yeah, I guess we're we're just on different. We're I, I mean, me and you guys, are, I guess, are on different levels on this movie. But I I really I don't know, Amir. Did you did you think it was just too ham? It, it, it was okay. It wasn't it, it? Didn't blow me away, but I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it either. It was all. It was very blah. It was very flat. I don't know. A lot of this was very blah and very flat. And that's kind of how I felt about his performance. I mean, did you guys like any of the performances? I guess that's the. Uh, they that's were all just okay. From what I've seen from like John David Washington and like Black Klansman and then Robert Pattinson and like so many roles like Cosmopolis, what else? Uh, Good Time, High Life. Like he's done so much great work, and here they're just they're, they're not given enough time to breathe or like do anything other than like exposit right all they're doing is just explaining stuff and like a little witty ditty here or there that's that's pretty much it i think i think they could have utilized these characters a lot more and and i think this climax thing is a huge problem because like imagine if they just scaled it down to like three or four people and they didn't put like helmets and things on them and like you could tell who was who i think you would have way better stakes and like you would definitely like feel this movie more i i do understand that the masks and like the the helmets are there to preserve that twist with with robert pattinson's neil at the end mm-hmm. but like you could have done that some other way too i don't know but i i am glad you enjoyed this movie I, i'm glad one of us <laughs> enjoyed this movie i mean there, there are good things in it yeah, there's some there's some hints of chemistry between John David Washington and uh, Robert Pattinson's character, right? Oh yeah, for seen, sure. And you see why it's only hints at the end, right? Because they're trying to do this thing where they actually haven't met yet, and so like their friendship's actually in the future for the protagonist and for us, the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, Neo is privy to a whole relationship that he's had with this man. And now he's going to go die, whereas. Like John David Washington's just starting out the relationship. That was like a cool. I kind of like that little twist. It's like, oh, okay, that's like your. I don't know. You're for no prizing yourself for the reasons that there was no chemistry in this movie. All right, I guess. Mm. But I mean, I really admired what Nolan does with this concept of like inversion, right? Because he, it's not just scenes that he inverts. It's not just that, like you know, like you're alluding to it, Amir. Like their relationship is like inverted, right? In, in the sense that like it's like a pincer move, right? Where he's he's at the end of his life, right, and he, yes. you know, John David Washington, the protagonist, is just beginning this journey with Tenet. But like, even the whole movie itself is a pincer move, right? Because very oh, yeah, for sure. Very early in the beginning, Michael Caine's character says, "Like, oh, there was an, an explosion at Stoltz Twelve. Mm-hmm. Like, if you remember that, like, you realize, like, oh, so the these events have happened. There's a point where the movie moves forward, but then the it stops and then starts moving backwards. Like, like the even the idea of the, like the whole movie is like at, at one point kind of becoming inverted is is very cool to me. Like, I think there's a lot of thought that he put into this movie that I really admire. I'll concede that it's well crafted in that sense, and I think that's never been Nolan's flaw. Like, mm-hmm. he's always been a, a careful craftsman in that way. It's just I don't know the other things. Don't, like, okay, like one thing that bothers me is like. Elizabeth Debicki's character is just kind of a big fat nothing, and it's such a shame because, like, okay, have you seen the Man from Uncle? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, in that. she's she great. She plays in that. an incredibly like a very similar character there. I guess here she's like the good 
wife of the villain, and that one, she's the villainess herself. But whatever. She's so much fucking fun in that movie. Like, it's in a complete yeah. and utter blast. It's a complete blast. And this is just not fun at all. It's not fun. Like, she's not fun. And, like, they don't do anything with her. Like, really? Like, I don't know. No, no real, like, there's, like, a weird relationship slash, like, budding kind of proto-romance between her and the protagonist of John David Washington, but it never, it never really goes anywhere. And mm-hmm. so then, like, he's making decisions as if they're in love or something, but, like, they're not really. So the, the motivation isn't really there. It just, yeah, I don't know. Just seeing her in that, in Man from Uncle Ward, so much fun. And seeing her in this, just depressing. It's a big contrast. Yeah, a huge contrast, right? But my question is, did they let Elizabeth Debicki be tall in this movie? <laughs> hey, I think they do. There's like scenes. Where I think I'm they like, did, right? She's like towering over a lot of the guys here, right? I, it's the scene where she like goes into John David Washington's like room in the boat to confront him about the painting, and I was like, mm. oh wow, there's there's a shot where like she's definitely taller than that guy. Like I think I think they do. I, I don't I don't think they straight up just like you know have her stand side by side by someone so that like the, you could tell how tall she is, but I don't think they try to hide it either. I think mm-hmm. what about what about the scene where she's in the car and she's like reaching for the uh door with like her toe? But like from the back seat, that's a tall person thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's if John true. David Washington tried to do that, he couldn't do it. Yeah. So like here's here's the thing. Like there's so many like extraneous things in this movie that I just felt were not necessary. Like the coolest thing was like the 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 scene at the airport where the protagonist like fights himself in the in the corridor, right? During the heist. But why did it have to be this Goya painting? I feel like that had nothing to do with anything and like the whole thing where like Sador is holding this a forged painting over his wife's head is so weird and specific. Like, I felt like I was missing something there. Like, why did you choose it to be something like that? Like, you could have put that set piece in a different way. I feel like this was just something that just totally wasn't fleshed out. And, like, I just felt like there was a piece missing there. Why did it have to be, like, a free port where people were keeping, like, tax-free shelters of, of like, expensive items and things? It, it, it didn't really make sense to me. I feel like they could have integrated that set piece in a different way that made more sense and was more related to the actual plot. Knowing what I think we know about Nolan, like he always he always talks about like he knows his endings. Something tells mm. me he wanted to crash a plane into like a building and then yeah, he just, but you he could have crashed a plane without this weird <laughs> Goya painting thing. Why did it? Why did it have to be that? Like you could, you could find like a million different ways to crash a plane. Where did we crash a plane? We crashed it into a Freeport. Oh, what's held in Freeports? Paintings. So yeah, <laughs> what painting? A Goya. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think he works. I mean, I think that's how Nolan works. Sometimes I feel like you know he works backwards. Like you could definitely tell because this whole movie is based on that magic Seder Square, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. The 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 turnstile? No 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 no. Yeah, it's like no. a real life thing. It's like a oh. It's like a word square with like a five word like palindrome in Latin. You didn't know this? Like oh. they found it in like yeah, Pompeii. It, it's like five words. It says Seder, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, and Rotas. So like any way you put it, it like it says the same thing backwards and forwards, right? So like Arepo is like opera backwards. So like oh. he's trying to like fit this 
entire movie cram this into this real life magical text or whatever. It's very, very obvious. That's where you get Tenet and Sea Tool from, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And Rotas and the opera and Arepo. <laughs> like all those things yeah. that show up somewhere in this movie. Like, yeah. Again, right, yeah. Okay. I kind of wish you didn't tell me that. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. So I wanted to ask, I mean, we all watched most of Nolan's movies. I know Jeff, you've pretty much watched every Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. What I really admired, and but I can't remember if he's really done it in the past, but his use of color in this movie. Like, I don't feel like he does that too often or really ever. I think that's very singular with this movie. Like, yeah. after the car chase in the... In the turnstile, right? Yeah. When we first see the big inversion with the inverted satyr, right? Like uh, shooting Elizabeth Debicki, is that? Well, it's that, right? But even if you go back and watch the airport one, right before they go into the turnstile, the -hmm. doors are marked with red and blue. Like there's a plaque right next to the doors that are marked with red and blue. Like it's like the first hint. And then we get the big splash of, right, the red and blue... That basically over encompasses the the whole rooms, you know, the turnstile after the the car chase, mm-hmm. and then we get the red and blue of the the teams, right? The blue going uh, backwards and the red going forward, right? So like I I appreciated that use of color because I I feel like that's not something that he doesn't normally do in, in his movies. That's a good point. I like that. I, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, on that, actually. I think I think, I think, I think a lot of his movies tend to have like a cooler palette to them, mm-hmm. and like you don't really associate like color work with with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, but you that, this is a good point here. There's like there's a lot of uh, a use of color here, and it's in, and it's interesting. And as much as I was disappointed with this movie, I do want to point out that like if there were an Oscars category for stunt work, I feel like this should win that category like how do you even think about it right like how well how do you film like the big fight in the hallway between john david washington and himself right because like you're not reversing the footage that's not what you're doing right it's all you have to do it forwards because one of the people is 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 moving forwards in time right so like you can't just be reversing the footage. It doesn't yeah. work that way. That would just be way easier. So, like, he must have had to learn, or, like, the stunt person must have had to learn how to fight like he was moving backwards, backwards which is crazy to me. I think, like, the car chase, you can, like, splice together forward moving and reverse footage. But, like, something with, like, hand-to-hand combat, I don't think you can do that. So, like... I think that's a real testament to the stunt work and like the choreography here. And I think it's really, really next level. And I, I got to give props to the movie for that. It's, it's really great. Well, even that car chase where like, you know, they're being chased by like a car going in reverse, like that you could tell that's actually a car going in reverse, right? Because of the way it juts, like, it, you know, a car moving forward doesn't do that. I feel like, yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. it's really cool to think that like, you know, they had to probably work that out where like, you know, they're not they're not far away from each other. They're pretty close to each other. So like one car has to follow the other. And I, I, that was really what impressed me about that car chasing too, Mm -hmm. was just like, yeah, like you said, like this idea, like how do you even start to contemplate like forwards and backwards, right? Like capturing both at the same time. Like, I think that's uh, agreed. Yeah. The stunt work I think is really, the action and the stunt work I think are really great in this movie. So is this movie just better without the Elizabeth Debicki character and like that whole like I don't know. Like I feel like if you just take her out, like 
save like 40 minutes of the movie that you can use to now like do something cool. It's his attempt at writing a female character in my good or bad. At least he made an attempt. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right way to think about it. I think the movie's just better. You just take take her out and like do something else with the 40 minutes that that plot line eats up. Or, or just cut like this movie by 40 minutes because it is two and a half hours. Right? It, it's is, it is a pretty long It is long. And you, and you do feel it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking if you take that part out, you have more room for other shit. I don't know, because I think a lot of his criticisms are overblown, but I think his inability to write convincing women is, like, the one that's just spot on. And, like, yeah. he just he just cannot write a compelling female character. And She's not, like... This is one of the better ones, yeah, actually. Yeah, I was going to say. This is, is one of the better ones. I don't, she's not, like, some weird, like, I don't know, flat misogynist stereotype or some shit. She's yeah. just not that cool. I don't know. Like, there's nothing... More just like she's just not that cool a character, and I think you can kind of probably take her out and have the movie be better. I don't know. Like, did you guys think that this movie was going to hinge on like this sad Russian marriage? Like, no, no, I definitely. Yeah, didn't. like what the fuck? No. Like, you think this? You're going to the movie. You're like, oh, like John David Washington is going to become like fucking time Neo. This is going to be sick, and like he, and like and and like he never does it. Right? Like it never happens. I mean, Elizabeth Debicki, her cat has a leg up on everyone else in the Christopher Nolan universe. Just yeah. the fact that she's alive. <laughs> I feel like she's she, alive and she is like a main proponent to this movie. And like He loves his dead wives, man. He loves, loves his, his dead, dead wives. wives. Rachel Dawes in The Dark Marian Knight. Marion Cotillard. <laughs> Marion Cotillard. Memento. Prestige, right? Prestige. Yes, that's right. Two, Two dead, dead wives. wives there. Piper Parabola. <laughs> Two dead and, wives. Yeah, Rebecca Hall. Yeah, you're right. Two dead wives. <laughs> but that's a better movie. He should play to his strengths. More dead wives. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if there's things you can't do as a filmmaker, so maybe you just like, all right, I'm just never going to be right good women. I need to write more dead dead wives. Dead and wives. Lean into it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, The Prestige is such a so much of a better movie. Like, if this is what you get when he tries to stretch, maybe he shouldn't stretch so much. But even the prestige has a has a leg up on on Cat here because Rebecca Hall at least has some great lines. She's like, "Some days I, I oh, think yeah. you love me. Other days, like I, I I don't know who you are." That's great. That's some great yeah. stuff there. And yeah, like, like the moments when she like kisses Christian Bale's character is like, "Oh, today I believe you," or "Today, yeah, I like today yeah, yeah. does not work." It's yeah, great. It's so yeah, that's that good stuff, stuff. Really works really well. I was just gonna say that this movie actually made me want to watch The Prestige again, and I did. I was like, oh, I love this movie so much. The movie's so so good. The Prestige is like is just top tier Christopher Nolan. It's like so intimate, and like it's like the complete opposite of this. There's so much like emotional complexity to it. It's it's about fucking dueling magicians. How fucking cool is that? And there's no like three hundred magician fight at the end like something <laughs> out, of Mar- out of Marvel, right? <laughs> You know, Doctor Strange doesn't show up with all his fucking apprentices. Like, it's about the guys who are having the central conflict in the story. Can you imagine if it was one Borden versus, like, a hundred Angiers because he had cloned himself? <laughs> that would be kind of cool, that's the, Mar- that's, the, that's the Marvel version of that movie. Yep. That's, the, that's the remake. That's, that's the remake. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, is the prestige his best? I, in my I opinion, think it's his that best. is, yeah, it is my favorite Nolan movie. I think it's his best I think, movie. I think it, I think, I think you guys are right. I think it is. I think the procedure is his best. What comes next? For me, 
it's Inception and then The Dark Knight. Mm. I I would have to, I haven't revisited Memento in a long time. I would have to. Yes, me neither. I feel like I would have to revisit it and see it again in order to yeah. fairly place it. But I feel like I want to put it pretty high. I have a Nolan ranking on my letterbox, so oh okay. I forgot I forgot what I did. <laughs> yeah, don't contradict yourself, Jeff. Because <laughs> I have my like reasoning and stuff on there too. Hold on, let me. I I just know that Tenet is. Dead last. Dead last. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, say, I mean, Derek, you enjoyed this movie, but like, would you say, like, uh, following and insomnia notwithstanding, how, how does Tenet rank? So the, but that, that's the thing. Like, I don't know where to rank it per se in the sense that every Nolan movie I've watched more than once, except for Interstellar and Dunkirk. And, you know, based on just the one viewing, I, I think I like Dunkirk more than Interstellar. I have Dunkirk as two. Actually. Oh wow! Okay, Dunkirk's really good. Yeah, Dunkirk's really good. I'm not saying Dunkirk's bad. Like, I don't know. Like, there's something to the the idea that like I haven't wanted to revisit it. Mm. I think there's something to be said about that. Not to say that yeah, I think it's absolutely. like a really bad movie. Like, I actually don't think any of Christopher Nolan's movie. Like, I I love all of Christopher Nolan's movies. I don't think any of them are like outright bad. Even this one, like I like I said, I, I've really enjoyed. So. To say that, like, I like it better than Interstellar at the moment doesn't mean that Interstellar is a bad movie. Mm. I don't know. Like, Interstellar for me, when I first watched it, was something where I was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this again. Like, I don't feel compelled to watch that movie again, even though I've heard that it does benefit from a second view. Interstellar is 8 for me out of 10. Okay, so it's pretty low, too. Yeah, I just, I don't like the magical bookcase. It's stupid. (laughs) I think it's kind of dumb. It kind of undermines the rest of the movie, I think. Also, I think Dunkirk's time stuff is better than Tenet. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the three different like time... Compressions or whatever. T- time compressions. compressions. That's that's yeah. cool. That's clever. And it all it lines cool. up in the end. That's That's good. That's crazy, I think. I think when I was watching it and then you realize at first, I was like, oh, it's like, oh, kind of cool. We're seeing three different timelines. And like you said, they all converge. But like now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of it right that it's like there's something really simple and basic about it versus for me like uh tenet it's like thinking about like these two simultaneous timelines happening at the same time right one going forward one going backwards and like yeah but i think tenet is just like a clever longer version of like the memento scenes where like the bullets are going back into the gun and stuff like that <laughs> I, think, I think the fight scenes are very very good i think it's i think it's cool I will say that the one thing, I mean, I know you guys are kind of shitting on the, the last final scene, like the, the big climax of the movie. I did really like the the point, right, where they're at like the five minute mark and they both fire like a the, rocket. The on double a explosion is awesome. It's the best part of the, yeah. the movie. It's the best special effect of the movie because one of the explosions is like inverted and the other one is like moving forward in time so it looks really really cool um and i'll give him props for that that that's that's cool but like i would have liked it more if i knew who was doing what like red team blue team temporal pincer movements you guys are saying lots of like shit you guys just fucking made up but you don't explain any of it like and like who are they even fighting like random sator goons who are also going backwards and forwards in time like it's very like yeah but like who gives a shit I know literally that that's who they're fighting, but who gives a shit? 
That is one criticism I've read about this movie is like if you rewatch the final scene or the final fight, like you don't actually ever really see the villain. Yeah. You know they're firing and it just looks like they're firing at nobody because you never really see them. And it, it's yeah. totally true because I, I watched this movie and I'm like, wow, you really don't see any – like you don't actually see any of the bad guys like get shot, right? Except for like that one guy who gets shot with a rocket in the window. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Like I was like, wait, if you have all these extras, you couldn't just hire some to like wear the, the white camo – Right and like yeah, get and, shot. I, and, I, and, I, and I think that's part of what makes the the, the finale really like. Yes, land. I will agree with that. Yeah, like it, it ends up so bad. Yeah, it lands so poorly because of that. And it's all like goofy goons anyway. Like the actual fucking supervillain is on a boat getting murdered by his wife. Yeah. Also, the crux of this entire movie is based on like this temporal pincer movement, mm-hmm. and they don't explain this shit well at all. You have to watch this thing like. To really understand what's going on. So, like, the temporal pincer movement, like, what is going on? And it's like, there's like two teams, one's going forward, one's going back. So they each have half of the information of the battle that they can give to each other. And that's what they explain to you in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, what are the mechanics of that? How does that work? Right? They don't explain any of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, do both teams go through the battle at the same time going forward, and then one turns around through the turnstile to come back to give the other team information? Because that's what I thought at first, but I don't think that's what happens. No. It's like one team stays on the side while the first team goes through, and then they wait until after the battle and go through the turnstile and go through the battle backwards, and then they brief the first team at the beginning with all the information they learned going through the battle backwards. So that's what that's what it is. Yes. Right? And it's not clear watching it. First of all, no one's you can't tell who's who, which is a big problem. And like, Hey, yo, they got red and, and blue. <laughs> they got red and blue. <laughs> <laughs> they got red and blue patches on their arms. I got it. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. That's like you have to like again, like watch it again and like it 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 clicks. Like I said, a lot of things click the second time, which is, it's a good thing, right? That I think it's all there and like it, it's it's definitely understandable. But at the same time, this, to have to say the notion like you have to watch it again is not great, right? Yeah. Like to tell someone you have to watch it again to understand it or it, it, it's better the second time around. Like that's also not a good thing about to say about movies. But like I said, I, I feel like that's a lot of Nolan movies too though. Yeah. I actually do want to ask you guys i guess without the dark knight movies or the batman movies removed right because batman movies itself are really conducive to a franchise in the sense right because they have comics that you can and comic book characters that you can kind of create a franchise with do you feel like this is his first attempt to trying to create a franchise i don't think so i don't think nolan's the type of person who wants to like create franchises that's what i thought too until i watched this movie though Right, because he he even like sets up this he idea wants to like expand the world, this right? world. Because he even created. sets up the idea. It's like, hey, we're you know Robert Pattinson's character is like, hey, we're gonna get on in and on adventures, and like you know, like we're gonna meet in the future. Like I've seen a lot of some criticism about Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, where like all of a sudden you just like get Aaron Taylor Johnson, right? This guy who you you know some people do recognize, and it's like. It seems like a really small bit role. Yeah. For me, it feels like they're setting him up to be Maybe. like... Maybe. I think they wanted to get Tom Hardy and they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you guys, you know, you've both seen Doctor Strange. 
Like, uh-huh. I feel like they're setting him up to be, like, the Mordo, right? The guy who plays by the rules. Because mm, he was about to, like, double-cross them in the end, Well, right? not double-cross them. He was about well, to not do his job, yeah. right? He was about to kill them because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, at the end, like, whoever sees this device is supposed to die. But he instead mm. tells him, like, hey, go spread this out in time, and then we all should kill ourselves. But we know the protagonist doesn't do that, right? Because right. in the future, he creates tenant maybe he kills himself after creating tenant like we don't fucking know like because like he he leaves that open as to like when you kill yourself is up to you yeah but then there's the line about like well if we don't you're not gonna find us or he's like oh no i'll find you yeah And, and, and there's a lot of lines about like well what if i change it what if i try to change it Right? Like, the the protagonist is always, like, questioning, like, well, what if we don't stick to the timeline? And, like, I feel like Nolan is trying to plant these seeds for, like, if this movie was a success, I think he has more ideas to kind of keep going. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. I mean, this movie also goes with the time travel theory that whatever happened, happened, right? Yeah. So, like, there's no changing the past. Whatever happened there, like, you know, with Elizabeth Debicki's character, like, the person she saw jumping off the boat was... Her. Was actually her herself, right? Because that's what always happened. Uh, she thought it was the mistress, but it wasn't a mistress. It was just her from, from the future or whatever, you know? And I don't know. It doesn't really give you much room to, like, have any more surprises, right? Because this whole movie is just, like, a bootstrap paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the protagonist, he's the one who creates Tenet. So, like, he goes back and, like... He creates Tenet, but like, where does the idea of Tenet come from, right? Because he he creates Tenet just because he knows that it's supposed to exist in the future. Yeah. But like, where does that idea actually? I think that's really interesting. But like, it does kind of like close a lot of loops where like you can't really have that much maneuvering on like storytelling if it's supposed to be a whole universe. But I don't know. Maybe it's like it's a cool idea. Like a tenant cinematic universe. I mean, what do you think, Amir? You were going to say I something. Know. I, 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 I think I think Marvel brain poisoned you. I think, <laughs> I think Marvel's influence on cinema has brain poisoned uh, Nolan. It's like, man, do I need to make a franchise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I think you're you're seeing sequels where where, there, where there's not a little. The movie takes place in the same universe as Inception, so you can have. Uh, Cobb going backwards in time, inverted Cobb going into people. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you had like an inverted Inception. Like, how does that even work? Right? <laughs> that would be insane. That would be like okay. You're you. You think you're that good, Nolan, but you're not. Because <laughs> especially because like he's you know he's very been very vocal about like this is like his his stab at the spy genre, right? And we know about spy genres, especially like you know, Mission Impossible and James Bond, they always keep going, right? They're not just one movie. Yeah. But I just think, like, Nolan as an artist himself, he he does not he like doesn't. these yeah. cinematic universes. Because, God, he really didn't want to do that last Dark Knight movie. Mm-hmm. They had to really pull out the big bucks for that one. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I don't know. There were a lot of, like, fan theories and stuff. A lot of them don't make any sense. Yeah, none of them seem to really work out. It's like, like oh, <laughs> Neil is a grown-up Max. It's no. like, that's not fucking true. What? It's like, oh, it's his full name is Maximilian. Maximilian ends with L-I-E-N, and then when you invert that, it's oh Neil. Oh, my God. It's fucking stupid. Wow. <laughs> first I'm really all, glad I didn't get into Tenet theories. Oh, my God. First of all, what I do like about this time travel is, like, if you want to travel into the past, you got to travel that amount of time. Right? You gotta yeah. age that amount. So, like, if Max was actually 
Neil. Neil would have to be like at least double his age to get back to when he was that young, right? Because he'd have to travel back. He'd be he'd have to be inverted for thirty years, and he would age thirty years normally just traveling back there, right? Yeah. So like he it would be work. way older. It doesn't make any sense. That's a mm. that's a dumb theory. And the other theory is like the what the scientist that we meet in the beginning is the scientist that creates the algorithm. Like I've heard that one. That could be true, but that's a dumb. Wait, what? Like some people think you know that that scientist we meet at the very beginning that teaches John David Washington about the inverted oh. bullets. Like some people are like, oh, is she the scientist that creates the algorithm in the future? That kills I don't herself? even know how that would work. Isn't the future they're from like? Very far into the future. I didn't think it was like the only years word they use is, or the only way they describe it is that it's generations. Yeah. So how could she still be? Well, how do you define generations, right? Because like every ten years is about a I generation, guess. right? Like X, Y, it's like you know, twenty or something. Gen, Z gen, right? Yeah. Like technically, we're all living in like multiple generations. So technically, maybe it's only only like forty, fifty years in the future. So it's plausible, but at the same time, I don't know. I think people are just stretching. I don't think that's true. But yeah, there's a lot of theories and, and, and all that kind of going around for this movie. But Also, one thing that I was confused about is like when they're traveling on the boat, the boat is inverted, but they are not. How does that work? Yeah, or like the car or like why is the car inverted when he gets into it when like he's inverted? But why is the car inverted? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't understand. I think I visually it... like some some of these things like I think they have a line where it's like even though you are going forward, I think for everybody else, it looks like you're going backwards and so like i don't know i don't it's not clear it isn't i do like the the reverse explosions like is like the absence of heat and it like creates like cold that's cool too i i do like that i wish i wish we saw more of that stuff because like that was actually cool but yeah but then when you think about it it's like is that real like is that wasn't it was indeed actually cool (laughs) it was actually cool if if you guys have nothing else i think that will conclude this week's episode um, yeah, if you want to see a time travel movie, watch The Terminator. If you want to watch a spy movie, uh, go watch, uh, I don't know, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That's a good one. All right, that's my advice. That's my advice on Tenet. Go watch those two movies instead. Uh, I think that will end this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, and how about you, Derek? You can find me at the wrong Dave, Dick spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to many more people. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like reading listener mail, and sometimes we even read it out loud on the pod, and uh, this movie was quite confusing, so if there's something you want to enlighten us about, something we got wrong, something you want to clarify, feel free to shoot us a, a line. We promise we won't be embarrassed. We were just a little disappointed, <laughs> I think. I, I think Derek really liked this movie, and more power to him. But uh, that's what makes interesting discussions on the pod. So, And if you have any questions about the movie, I'm apparently an expert now. I've watched it three times. Yeah, I've <laughs> watched it three times. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I think our next episode, I think we're going to tackle Wonder Woman 1984, right? That's going to be released simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. 
Uh, so definitely look out for our next episode on that movie. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next week. Everybody. See you next week. <laughs>